So what does it mean to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit? Well, we'll take a look at that question on Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. A good friend of ours living in South Carolina recently wrote to me this question. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4 not to quench the Spirit, which says to me that as believers we can quench the Spirit. Is it possible to quench the Spirit to the point that you no longer feel his conviction? Can a person get to the point where he or she no longer feels the Spirit's nudging when we do something wrong? Another question to add to this is, what does it mean to grieve the Spirit? Well, the short answer to both questions is yes, a believer can quench and grieve the Spirit. But what does that mean for our Christian life? And if we grieve or quench the Spirit, what should be done about it? Well, let's start with an important reminder about the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is co-equal in power, majesty, glory, and authority with the two other members of the Trinity, God the Father and God the Son. Whatever the Father and the Son are in their being, the Holy Spirit is also. They share the same qualities of all their communicable and incommunicable natures. But I want to emphasize here the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Only a person can quench something, like a fire or a party that's gotten too out of hand, loud and rowdy. To quench something means to uh, tamp it down or to put it out, and a fire is a pretty useful image. Also, the Bible warns about grieving the Spirit. And again, only a person can grieve. To grieve someone means to cause that person some sort of emotional suffering or distress. For us, grief usually comes in the form of a loss, like the death of a loved one or the loss of a job. Grief is experienced as feelings of sorrow and loss. For humans, grief is actually a gift from God to help us move through that period of loss and move us on to trust in God. Of course, I don't think that that's exactly the same thing for the Holy Spirit. After all, he is God. So when he grieves, it is over something believers do, and we can rightly say that he is sad or grieved about it. So how do the actions of Christians quench or grieve the Spirit? Well, we see some of them in a list of things that Paul says that Christians should do at the end of his first letter uh, to the Thessalonians, like respect church leaders or be at peace with one another, never repay evil with evil, but do good and to always rejoice. And then in verse 19, he says, do not quench the spirit. The next command is do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what's good, abstain from every form of evil. So since we are committed to the interpretive principles that content is king when it comes to understanding a text, it seems to me that the commands that Paul gives prior to the command not to quench the spirit is a good place to start a quest for understanding how we grieve or quench the spirit. If by quench we think uh, metaphorically, uh, like putting out the fire, then what we understand is that in some way our actions dampens the Spirit's work among us. Remember that one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is fire. Uh, on the day the church was born, uh, Pentecost, 
the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples with the sound of uh, a, a mighty rushing wind and uh, tongues as a fire resting on each one of the disciples in the upper room. Now, when it comes to quenching fire, I think that the uh, image that we have is, is to keep in mind, the symbol of fire points to the kind of person and work of the Holy Spirit. Fire gives warmth and light and warming the heart for holy affections for God and giving the mind understanding. These are important ministries of the Spirit in the life of the believers. When we are united to Christ through faith and the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit by, by that regenerating power, he begins to work uh, transforming our lives from the pagans we were to becoming the people of God. It's a lifetime process, and, and we are guaranteed uh, uh, to be a finished work when we are fully grown into Christ's stature. According to Philippians 1.6, God has promised to complete what he started, and that day comes when we go home to be with the Lord. So it seems to me that the ways that we quench the spirit are several. For example, grumbling instead of praising, complaining instead of rejoicing, getting even with people that do us wrong, despising the gifts of the spirit and doing our best to keep them under wraps and discouraging anyone who wants to use his or her gifts in the service of God or the church. All of these kinds of things deny the goodness and the necessity of the Spirit to enable Christians to live like Jesus lived. Anything that would suppress the manifestation of the Spirit's life and the life of believers or reveals him through a believer's words or actions seems to be what's in Paul's mind. Grieving the Spirit has a different perspective to it, and here we, we need to go to Ephesians 4.30, where Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And again, context is important. Verse 30 ends a very long exhortation about the new life that we've received in Christ. Paul starts by saying that believers are to put off the old manner of our pagan life that was corrupt and deceitful. Uh, we were addicted to lying, for example, to anger, unforgiveness, to stealing, to sexual immorality, eagerly taking every opportunity to follow Satan's lead for sin. By nature, we were greedy and hard-hearted and loved everything God hated. So we're to be done with that old identity. Now, our self-identity as followers of Christ, loving the way he loved, serving the way he served, and if called, leading the way he led, that's our new life. The Holy Spirit purifies our lives and gives us power to live up to this new identity in Christ. The Spirit can be grieved by our actions and hinder His work when we ignore God's commands and do what we think is right. Our fellowship, that, that sense of intimacy, of relationship with God, can be dampened when we quench or grieve the Spirit. But He will not leave us because to do so would mean that we could forfeit our salvation. And since our new birth was by grace and not up to us in a decisive way, God will not give up on us in completing his purposes for our salvation. Our actions, our words, our attitudes, these are the grounds that grieve or quench the spirit. It saddens him because we're not living up to the glory of that renewed image in Christ that has been given to us. And so he goes to work 
to conform our actions, our words, and our attitudes to be more like Christ. I recall a, a foolish moment when I made a, 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 a comment in a church service that was really disrespectful to a certain group of people. And the minute that those words left my mouth, uh, the, the scripture reference about King David came to mind. And it said, and afterward, David's heart struck him because he, he had cut off the corner of Saul, Saul's robe. David had just cut off a piece of King Saul's robe. And not long after that, God pricked his conscience about his actions. And I like the way that King James says it. It says, David's heart smote him, meaning that David felt the convicting work of the Holy Spirit telling him that what he had just done was wrong. And David's conscience was tender to that correction. When those words left my mouth, my heart smote me. My conscience said, that was the wrong thing to say, Buchanan. It's disrespectful to people that God loves. You must ask the audience to forgive you. And as awkward as that moment was, I asked for forgiveness. Now, these passages don't imply that the Holy Spirit leaves us, only that we have caused him sorrow because of our sinful actions. The grieving and quenching of the Holy Spirit hinder our fellowship with the Spirit, but they don't nullify our salvation. You know, if you have children or you, you've been a child uh, with parents, uh, who meant to train you to behave properly, you know what this work of the Spirit is like. If you ever disobeyed your father, or you have had a child who disobeys you, correction may start with being sent to your room without dinner, or the loss of a few other privileges. But you're not put out on the street with a sign that says, boy for sale. You're not kicked out of the family. The Holy Spirit is committed uh, to God the Father's purposes for you, and God, the Son's sacrifice for you. He will complete the work in you that He started on the day of your conversion. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Thanks to Steve Dion behind the camera who collaborates with me on the mission of Wisdom 828 to stamp out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer.